Now, just, just for a little bit of context, it just helps you to understand the book that we're in. We're, but mainly, we're going to take a verse and take a fit this morning and talk about a spiritual famine. But I want to just share a little bit with you about the book of Amos. When you read in the Bible and you read in 1 Kings and 2 Kings, and when the kingdom divided up, you had good kings and you had bad kings. Israel pretty much would go from good to bad. Judah kind of stuck along the line there. But uh, Amos, one of the prophets, he, he's from the country. And he comes into the city and he sees all the sin that's going on and he begins to proclaim to them that the Lord is going to take them away. He's finally done with it. He's going to lead them into captivity and he's prophesying to them. And uh, that's what the book of Amos is about. He's, he's predicting, he's prophesying that the Babylonians are going to come in. I mean, he doesn't name them directly, but the, that they're going to be taken by a country and they're going to be cap- taken captive. And uh, But God tells them not to run to another city. Over in one part, he says, don't, don't flee to this city because that city's going to be gone too. He says, seek the Lord. This is over in, uh, and this is just for context, like I said. Look at chapter number five because I can do that. Chapter number five. He said, hear ye this word which I take up against you, even a lamentation, O house of Israel. The virgin of Israel is fallen. She shall no more rise. She is forsaken upon her land. There is none to raise her up. And I'm just sharing you this with you for free. But when I was studying this, I was like, you know, I I can kind of see America in this. We've fallen. It's set. Or there's not a lot we can do about it. But that's my own tie-in. But he tells you to do something here. He says, For thus saith the Lord God, The city that went out by a thousand shall leave an hundred, and that which went forth by an hundred shall leave ten to the house of Israel. For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me, and ye shall live. And that's, the, that's a little devotional application there. It doesn't matter what's going on in this country or what God's proclaimed on it. And for the Israelites, God said, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, but this is what you need to do. You need to seek me. You need to come after me. Now go to Amos chapter number 8, and we're going to change gears and look at verse number 11. We're going to read it, and then we'll pray. In Amos chapter 8, verse number 11, he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Let's pray. Amen. So he says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water. Now when there's a famine in the land, there's no food, right? It's like when Didi went to the grocery store, there wasn't no eggs. That's, that's a bad thing for me. <laughs> I like my eggs in the morning. It's the one thing I do right every day of the week. But this is a lot more serious because we're talking about a spiritual famine. We're talking about the kind of, the kind of famine where you go dry on God's word. You ever gotten into, into your life? Have you ever been walking through life and you begin to run dry? You begin to run hungry for God's word. You know, they say that if you hunger long enough that you won't hunger that the pains will just stop, I think. 
I don't know if they ever do, but you, you can reach a point where you're just away from God and you don't even realize how hungry you are until you open up that Bible. So when you get into a famine, when you get away from God's word, there's a couple things that you don't do, okay? One of the things is don't leave your church. You know, I remember times in my life, I remember moving up from uh, Thomasville, Georgia. We moved up to Macon, Georgia, and we tried to find a church home. We tried to find a couple churches, but it didn't work out. I remember, I remember going to a church for a little while over there. I, what was the town? It doesn't matter. Nobody knows what it is. But we had to drive a little distance to it over near Fort Valley. But we, we went to that church for a little bit. We'd been faithful. We'd, gotten, we'd started going to church in Decatur, Alabama, and down Thomasville. We were going to a church down there. And when we moved up to Macon or uh, Warner Robins, and we were moving about once a year back then. And uh, we weren't trying to stay ahead of anything, just the job kept changing. But we reached a point where this church wasn't working out, the other church didn't work out when we tried making, and we just started, we just kind of quit going. And I remember that time away from church, and I remember it starting to slip back a little, starting to slip back a little, and I remember getting to the point where you wouldn't know I went to church. And it didn't take very long. There's a thing to do when you're in a famine, and that's to not quit going to church. Over in the book of Ruth, uh, you have Elimelech, Naomi, May, and Chilion. They left Bethlehem, Judah, so, to sojourn in Moab. There was a famine in the land over there in Jerusalem. What they did was they went somewhere else where they, they thought they could find food. But when they get out there, Elimelech dies. Her two sons die. Naomi's two sons die, and when they go back, they go back to Bethlehem, Judah. Bethlehem is the house of bread, and Judah means praise. They had left, they had left the source of their bread. They had left the source of their spiritual feeding and famine. And when Naomi got back to Bethlehem, Judah, and they called her Naomi, she said, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for all, the Almighty hath dealt bitterly with me. She'd lost her two sons. She'd lost her husband. She said, call me no more Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? Now, of course, God intervened, and Ruth ended up marrying Boaz, and things worked out, and she was in the line of Jesus. But let me tell you something. When you leave the house of bread, when you leave, when you don't have a church home, and I'm not telling you, listen close, and don't take it wrong, and don't think, well, I got to go somewhere. But you need to be in a church where you're getting fed, because that's the purpose of going to church. Now, if you aren't getting fed here, and as much as I hate it, you find a place where you are getting fed. And I'm not trying to run people off, but I'm telling you, your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is more important than this building. But I would, I would pray. I would tell you, pray for the pastor if you're not getting fed. I, there's been times the Lord to talk to us. Just coming up with messages and looking at a couple of them, Dee, Dee said, you know, I've been singing this song all day. <laughs> it's the one you need to preach. And she sings a song, there's a famine in this land, not of bread, not of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And it talks about the missionaries with the, or the uh, 
the, the home church. They're sneaking around and they get there and they're opening and folding one page of the word of God. And they're in fellowship and they're gathered around that word. So God will speak to us. Pray for a better pastor. Pray for better teaching as we move on. But don't leave your church where the praise of the Lord and you're fed by his words. If you, uh, when, we, when we fell out of that church and we got to the point where we, we had kind of backslid and we, we reached a point where we were more empty than we were before. We had gone out full and we'd come back empty because we weren't getting fed spiritually. We weren't learning the word of God. We weren't opening up God's word. And I tell you what, there was a famine that made us look back. And uh, the, the famine of the word of God, and I had, I had lost a job at that point, and I had prayed, and I had asked God to help me find a job. He helped me find a job that was better than the one I'd lost. And uh, he took care of us. We reached a point, I was in the lab, I was working at the power plant, and I was in the lab, and I was listening to some preaching on a tape, and I called Didi up, or it was on the radio, and I called Didi up. I said, look, this is how much we're going to give. I need you to find us a church to give it to. <laughs> now, the King James Bible is the word of God to us. So when Didi was looking in the phone book and she found a church, she, she swore that there was an ad this big that they'd taken out a half-page ad for this church. And it was a little church, not much bigger than this one. I think it's a little longer. Well, that was where Pastor Brother Grady, Pastor Brother Grady Stokes was pastoring at Calvary Baptist Church. We went there, and they were in the middle of a revival meeting. It was a Wednesday night. We get there, and Brother Grady and Miss Hazel, Miss Hazel, she said, well, we'll come back tomorrow night. We're, we're having this revival meeting. Just come on back. You know, we'll feed you in the back. And Baptists like food. We just do. I said, I don't want to make any promises because we've been falling out of church. I said, I don't want to make any promises, but we'll try, you know. And the schedule, my shift schedule worked out. We could. We went back the next night. She said, come on back the next night. Come on back Friday night. We're still having a revival meeting. We'll feed you. And it's like, well, I don't want to make any promises. But we went back Friday night. By the time Sunday come around, we felt like regular members. All within the space of a week. But we were hungry for God's word, and we didn't even realize it. We sat in that revival meeting, and God speaks to your heart, and God stirs up your heart, and you say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm back at the house of bread. And that was our home. That was where we, that was where I surrendered to preach. That was where, uh, when Brother Grady passed away, I was an interim pastor for a little bit. That was, that was where I really began to open up God's word and, and teach it. So, Number one, don't leave your church. And if you, if you have to move somewhere, you know, it's, it's not a cult. God is everywhere. I'll never hold your salvation over your head. I may hold this book over your head just because of what it says, but I'll never hold salvation over your head. You're not saved just because you're coming to this church. Most important aspect of your life is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and that you stay in God's word. But you need to find a church. You go to a church and you're just getting entertained. I've been in a church surrounded by people starving to death. I won't go into that. But the next thing you need to do, don't leave your church. Don't go back to the world. 
When we look in the Bible, you can look at Genesis uh, 12, 10 if you like. But when we look in the Bible, we see Egypt as a type of the world. The Israelites, they, they, were, they were in bondage in Egypt. When you're in sin, you're in bondage to sin. That's explained over in Romans chapter number 6. But when we look at Egypt and we see them in bondage to sin and we see them being delivered out of Egypt, out of bondage, and we see them crossing the Red Sea and we get right over to, let me get to that because I'm not going to go to Genesis 12. Look at Exodus, Exodus chapter number 15. Exodus chapter number 16 will be a little better. Exodus chapter number 16. But we see Egypt as a type of the world. And when we look at Egypt and when we look at the world, there's one thing that takes place in Egypt that doesn't take place out in the wilderness. Out in the wilderness, they have God guiding them and God taking care of them and God providing them. But let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. When you get out there in the wilderness and God's providing for you, you don't always know where it's coming from. You don't always know where the answer is coming from, but I can promise you that God's going to give you the answer. There were a few times they got out there in the wilderness, and one of them is over in verse in chapter number 15. They get on the other side of the Red Sea. They just get through singing praises to God and, and dancing because God had just swallowed up all of the Egyptian army in the Red Sea. They get over there, and the first thing they do is they get thirsty, and they come to the waters of Mara, which mean bitter. They come to the waters and they're bitter to drink and they, they're thirsty. <laughs> and there's nothing. They, they, over in chapter number 16, it's like less than a chapter later, they're already talking about going back to Egypt. said in uh, verse number 1, And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. For you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. They get out there and they look back to Egypt and they say, You know, I got whipped a few times. I got some scars on my back. And you look back in your spiritual life and you say, in my life of sin, I got whipped a few times and I got some scars on my back. But you know what? I I knew that all I had to do was go to work and make money. I knew that all I had to do was produce and follow what the world wanted me to do and I could make money and I knew that I could take care of things. But now that I'm following you, Lord, things kind of fall down, it seems like. And I tell you, the devil will make you see it that way. You say, man, I step up. I'm going to do right by the Lord. I'm going to go to church, and let me tell you something. The devil's going to rise up, and he's going to stand against you. That's just the way it happens. If you've been serving him, or even if you're saved, especially if you're saved, he can't have your soul. But you you get out there in the world, and you say, man, I'm going to stand up for the Lord. I'm going to do what you want me to do, Lord. You know what's going to happen? You're going to get beat down a little bit. Because Satan can't have your soul, but he can make you feel discouraged. I know in my own life, man, down there in Thomasville, I'd get up early in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning. I'd go into that warehouse that I had all to myself. You know, they, nobody was in there but me because it was agreement with the business. It doesn't matter. I'd go in there, and I'd sit at my desk in that empty warehouse, and I would read God's Word. I had the 
Bible that my mom gave me, the New Living Translation, but I had the King James right there, and I would sit there and read each morning. And let me tell you something, and this is hard for a man to admit, but I know there was a few times dealing with customers, I about wanted to cry. I won't admit that I did. But what would happen is I was by myself, and you go to the job site, the customer's been calling calling the company for the last three weeks and they never sent anybody and you never got any notice on it, but they've been calling the company and you've never shown up. So when you show up, you're already starting down here. Let me tell you something. That only happened when I was reading God's word regularly. I show up there and, you know, she, you know, a woman can dress you down. <laughs> and all I could say was, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I'll fix it. Yes, ma'am. But I get in the car and I'm tired from getting up at four o'clock in the morning and, and I just got dressed down and called in everything but a, a regular fella. And I get back in that truck and I was like, man. And you start to feel a little sting. You know, when something hurts, you're afraid to stick your hand back on it, right? And I grabbed a piece of cardboard one time. There was a, there was a wasp on it. You know, you, you think a little before you stick your hand back on it. That's kind of what the devil will do to you. He'll make you kind of afraid to pick up that Bible. It's like, I don't know, that kind of hurts when I do. He'll make you afraid to stand up and say, I'm going to follow you, Lord, because I don't know, it kind of hurts when I do. They get out there in the wilderness and they say, we've been following Moses. We're following the Lord. Look, we're, out, we're hungry out here. Y'all follow me on this? Oh, there it is right there. Let's get it out of the way. But they get out there and they're, they're hungry. And I said, man, back in Egypt, I was getting whipped and I had my scars. But my goodness, I get up, there was breakfast there. And just like clockwork, that river would come up and it would fertilize. It would water the fields. And, and we had bread because there was always bread. There was bread enough for the slaves and for the Egyptians. There was plenty there. And, and it starts to smooth over you, the, the sin life or the things that you had in the world. That starts to smooth over. You start to forget a little bit about that. And you just remember the good times. You haven't ever really had a bad time in your life? It happens to women every time they have a child. <laughs> They'll still get baby fever no matter what they went through given going through childbirth, amen? I'm not comparing sin to childbirth. I'm just saying we forget about the pain that we went through and we start to think about the good times. And you, So you don't want to leave your church and you don't want to go back to the world when you're experiencing a famine. When you start to run spiritually dry, that, that's not the time to go back into the world. The other part of that is understanding that God's got something far better for you when you follow him. That God's plan is always better. He always works it out better. Over in Deuteronomy 11.10, he talks about the promised land. He says, for the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt from whence ye came out, where thou sowest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. But the land whither ye go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh water of the rain of heaven, and a land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. See, over in Egypt, they had the river that came up like clockwork, but here where they were going, they were going to be trusting God for the rain. He said, and it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. 
See, over in Egypt, they were serving somebody else, and God said, you'll be able to take care of yourself because I'll be taking care of you. And that's understanding that. Our water comes from our eternal life, from the Spirit of God, and from the Word of God. You need to be saved and stay in the words of God and be filled with the Spirit of God so that you can have bread and water. Otherwise, you'll go through a spiritual famine. So there's not only a couple things that you need to avoid doing when you come into the famine, but there's some things that you should look for when you're in the famine. When you're out there, when you're starving, when you're getting hungry for God's word and you're not getting fed, there's some things to look for. Number one, look for the cause. There may be a reason that you're spiritually starving. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit can't dwell with sin. The Holy Spirit will leave you cold if you want to go into a life of sin. I was telling the boys on uh, Monday night, I said, God will make a way for you to escape over there in James chapter 1. God will make, you, make a way for you to escape. You'll, you'll have a choice. But if you choose that way, if you, if you choose not to escape, he's going to let you go. He's not going to stop you. He'll put roadblocks in front of you. And there'll be some, there'll be the Holy Spirit will convict you of the sin that you're about to commit. But you can go down that road. That doesn't mean it's right. That doesn't mean just because you got to that it was the right choice. So you look for the cause of it. Because when you go down that road, you're going to start to have a spiritual famine. You're getting away from the water, the washing of the water of God's word. You're getting away from the bread of life when you go down that road. Over in 2 Samuel 21.1 said, Then there was a famine in the days of David three years, year after year. And David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered. And he said, It is for Saul and for his bloody house, because he has slain the Gibeonites. If you start starving your spiritual life, don't automatically blame the preacher. <laughs> I'm throwing that out there. Don't automatically blame me. But ask God, what's going on in my own life, Lord? What's going on in my life that needs to come out? What's stopping me from being close to you, Lord? Because judgment begins at the house of God, and we are the temple of God. Amen? So the famine was caused by Saul, by his bloody house. In 1 Kings 17, 1, uh, we have the famine caused by Ahab's sin. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was the inhabitants of, of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, is the Lord God, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these days, but according to my word. And it was because of Ahab's sin, because of the king's sin. Spiritual famines are often caused by sin in your life or in the life of someone close to you. In Revelation, it said, uh, when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see, and I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of Balances in his hand, and I heard, and this is talking about the tribulation, and I heard the voice in the midst of the four beasts say, a measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him, and power was given unto him. Unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with a sword, with hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth. So the deaths of some people in tribulation will be due to famine. 
under God's judgment. So look for the sins in your life, and when God shows them to you, deal with them. Don't blame God. When he shows you something in your life, you got to be willing to excise it out of your life. And let me tell you something. There's not just bad sins, right? For him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. God will convict you of some of the smallest things. Didn't I tell you to witness to that person? Didn't I tell you to speak to that person? That, that conviction of the Holy Spirit, let me tell you something. When you draw close to God, that's, there is nothing like that when God kind of speaks to your heart and says, go ahead and tell them I said this. It's like, well, Lord, I, I don't even know what their situation You don't have to. I, I'm telling you. All right. The next thing you do besides looking for the cause in your own life is look for help from the Lord. Over in Psalm 63, 1, David, when he was in the wilderness of Judah, God, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. We should thirst and hunger for righteousness. We should thirst and hunger for God's word. When you seek help from the Lord, it's then that you can see him work. As long as you're going on, you know what happens? We, we get thirsty and we get hungry. And, and men, we do this because I've done this. I know a lot of pastors that do this. I say this, this is something that a pastor is inclined to do. And that's to just step out. I, that's a problem. I know the solution. And to begin working on that. Instead of seeking the Lord's help on something. It doesn't mean that you don't do something. It doesn't mean that you sit around and, well, I've prayed and I've asked God to take care of it and God will take care of it. Sometimes he'll tell you to wait. Sometimes he'll tell you to go. Sometimes you ask him, Lord, is this what I need to do? And you get confirmation on it. Sometimes you get no confirmation. But there comes a point where you need to ask the Lord to guide you on that. And you'll be surprised what you will see. In uh, 2 Kings 4.38-41, they had to, with the, the pottage that had gone bad. And they asked the Lord to heal it. The prophet did. God has the power to take something bad and to make it good. We talked about the waters of Marah. When they reached those waters and they were bitter, Moses cried out to God and he said, Lord. And they, God told him to throw the tree into the waters and it purified it and made it good. God has the, a way of making something bad, something good. When Ruth came out of uh, Moab and when she came back to the house of bread, God had a way of turning that into something good. Something that had been so bad, God had turned it in to something so good where Ruth was part of the line of Jesus Christ, the line of David. God can turn adversity into a blessing. God is able to restore that which was lost during your spiritual famine. In other words, once you get right with the Lord, you can start feeding and nourishing yourself in the words of God and in fellowship with the Lord. He doesn't withhold these from you. In time, others may never know of your want through a famine. I mean, you, God has a way of undoing the things that you let go, but it's when you follow him. 
So one of the other things that you ought to do, you should look for help from the Lord. You should look for the cause. And finally, you should look for help for others. You know, I, uh, I, was, I was talking to the men, and I've seen it in my own life. I remember a youth pastor asking me, well, you know, we're going to be leaving. What do you think? I said, no man is an island. When we were at Calvary Baptist Church and Brother Grady had passed away, and I don't think I've even told you all this, so here's a new one. When we were at Calvary Baptist Church and Brother Grady had passed away and the new pastor came in, I had been interim pastor, but I didn't want to get in his way. And I had been looking at another church with my friend, Brother David Walker. And uh, that church was a couple hours away. (laughs) We would literally, I would literally get off work after a night shift and hop in the back of the Astro van, and Dee Dee, buddy, she could, she could, you know, it just put, put down the road, and we'd go to church. And it was so far away, we'd just stay, hang out there all day, and then in the evening, come home. This doesn't make me better than anything. That's just where we wanted to go to hear God's Word. That's, that's where I learned a lot of God's Word. But uh, I didn't want to get in the pastor's way. And when I did, there were some other people that left. I didn't intend it. But no man is an island. And when you, when you leave, you can end up taking others with you. So you're not on your own in this walk with Christ is the point that I'm trying to make. So you reach a point of spiritual appointment, look for help from others. You don't have to go through it on your own. God set us up with the church, and God set us up with fellowship. Over in Acts 11.28, And there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did and sent to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Now, they did it physically, but spiritually, we can be a help to each other. But you know when you can't be a help is when you're starving to death yourself. When you're starving on God's word, it's hard to help somebody else. Amen. So when you come through a famine, not only is your spiritual thirst quenched and your spiritual hunger filled, but your cup runneth over. Psalm 33. Your spiritual stream starts flowing out of your... Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, John seven thirty eight. You'll be able to start helping others come out of their spiritual famines, and those who have been through a famine know best how to come out of it. You know, we're to comfort each other with the comfort wherewith we receive. You're to be a help to others. I told those men Monday night, I said, you know, it's, it's not just to make your life better, but there's someone in your life that you're there for. Whether you realize it or not, when I told them no man is an island, I said somewhere out there there's a kid that's looking up to you. I said there's somebody that's depending on you. There's a, there's a wife depending on you or there's a girl depending on you and a kid. There's somebody that is looking up to you. And that's more reason than anything To look to yourself. You're not an island. You'll be able to help other people. You don't just help yourself. You just don't get full on yourself. Because what happens is, as you begin to feed on God's word, it's not that you get full and you're just satisfied. But let me tell you something. As you begin to feed on God's word, you begin to spill over. Talking about the cup running over, talking about pressed down, shaking, you know, all that mess. I say mess, but Malachi. But... 
you, you begin to overflow. When you're in God's word and you're filled up, you can't help but talk to someone about the Lord. You can't help but be a blessing to someone about the Lord. And the Holy Spirit will go before you and, and to talk to people that you, you had no idea. And there's been times in my life when I've gone to a place and, and someone was there to help me and I've been there to help other people. And all I was doing was minding my own business. I remember studying for a Sunday school lesson one time and Megan was in her uh, gym class at the time, gym acrobatics class. Anyway, I was sitting in there and I had a laptop on my, on my lap and I'm studying David over there in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. I look at the woman next to me. I just start talking to her about David. I don't remember how it came up, but I start, well, yeah, I just saw this. And I start telling her about it. And she said, man, I need to get back in the word. You just never know where God's going to use you. And it's not something that you're conscious of. You don't walk in saying, oh, I feel with the spirit. I just, I just feel so close to you, Lord. And I just, it's not something like that. Something that I learned just recently, I was reading uh, Christianity Today. And normally I don't care a whole lot for the magazine, but this one was on reading and things like that. And uh, a fellow wrote an essay, and it was permission for pastors to read. He said he was talking to a friend, and he's, he's read a lot of books and stuff, but he was talking to a friend, and he was talking to him about a book. And uh, he said, you know, he said, I've done some reading. He said, but I can't remember anything from it a day later. He said, so it's really a waste of time for me. I just can't retain it. And something he pointed out in this essay, and I'm going to share it with you guys today, because this applies in your life. This applies with the word of God. This applies with anything that you do in life. And he said, well, I'll tell you a secret. I can't remember half of what I read either. I can't remember two-thirds of what I read. He said, well, when you read, and especially when you read God's Word, but when you read, it kind of becomes a part of you without you even realizing it. You may not remember what you read. We, we look at it, and pastors tend to look at it like, well, I'm downloading information so I can impart it to other people, Right? So when I read the Word of God, I'm supposed to absorb all of this, and I'm supposed to be able to share it with somebody else. <clears throat> you know, the best time I have is when I'm just reading for myself, just, just to feed myself. But I don't always remember everything. And he said, well, I tell you what, his friend said, I tell you what, when that book comes out later, somewhere in your life, and you let me know, and I'll believe you. He said, years down the line, he'd forgotten all about that conversation. He was up there, and he was preaching. He was talking about this and that, and he was kind of expounding on this, and he was giving a point of view on this. He said, afterwards, one of the guys came up to him and said, you know, I wrote a thesis on that subject. And he said, and, and it was almost like you were channeling this one book, and he named it, and that was a book that he had had in front of his friend years ago. And I thought back in my own life, because there's books that I don't remember all of, but I remember reading Harlem Popoff, and I remember reading about Richard Wormbrand, and I remember reading about Hudson Taylor, the missionary, and those books that I've read, you know, and parts of the Bible. And, you know, as you, as you expose yourself more and more to something, it becomes a part of you, whether you realize it or not. 
It's like when Dee Dee was in line that one day and the woman asked her, she saw her Christian T-shirt and she asked her about abortion. Dee Dee hadn't studied up on abortion. She hadn't downloaded so that she could respond to somebody about abortion. But as she's there in line and the Holy Spirit just brings it back out of her, she said, well, you know, when Elizabeth saw Mary when she was pregnant with John, the babe leapt in her wombs, in her womb. She only had one. But the babe leapt in her womb. And she said, I got to believe that if John, as a baby in the womb, knew that Jesus was nearby, that any child is a life that knows what's happening to it. She said, the woman broke down crying because Dee had touched her in that moment because she'd been reading God's word, not because she'd studied it out and tried to download. So don't get frustrated when you eat. Many of the meals you've eaten, you're not going to remember. But they nourish you. You get nutrients off of it. Let me tell you something. As an old man, I know the more junk that I eat, the worse I feel. (laughs) When I was young, I could get away with, you know, the 87 octane. (laughs) But now I'm older, it's like, I I need some of that 93 octane with a little bit of the fuel injector booster. (laughs) Amen. So able to help each other. There was, a, there was a man in Colorado. I think I'm going to finish it up with this one. There was a man in Colorado. He went to one of those, those uh, character builder things, you know, where they have to go on a hike and they have to reach a water source. And they, the, the men teaching that or the people teaching that, they, they pushed them to find more within themselves. And it was kind of a business building exercise, kind of a corporate building exercise. And, you know, they go on the hike and they don't have water, but they've got a hike to it and they've got the guys following them. And the man didn't make it to the water. He gets there, he's 100 feet away. It's in the Utah desert. And he's 100 feet away and he can hear the other people over there. And they're saying, oh, man. And he's like, is it over there? And they said, yeah, it's over here. It's great. And he said, oh. And he was dizzy. His eyes were, he was starting to see illusions. And there standing next to him was a man with a backpack. The backpack had water in it. There were people 100 yards away. And they were there at the water and they were drinking. And that man's trying to make it there. And he died right there. And there was water all around him. They could have given him some. They didn't realize he was at the end. He'd signed his waiver and all that. They were okay. But they wanted to push him. He was almost there. He was almost there. They were standing right next to him with water. All they had to do was give him some. And you know... When we have the water, when we have the bread of life, and there's people out there starving, and we're allowing them to starve right there when we've got the backpack on. And I may cry about that here in a minute. But as you stand...